0: We've been involved in church our whole married life. We have never been out of church. I mean, there's been times when it's been very difficult for us to do that, but we've always stayed very involved, very active in the church. I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. and you grew up non-denominational, and we would, you know, attend
1: each other's churches, um, but we didn't really yeah, have I a home good. of our own, <laughs> and, and we would just clash. I mean, we could not come to an agreement. Especially
0: when it came to well, what are we gonna do when we have kids?
1: We got in a fight one day about me taking the children to church and so I was like, well, then come to church. And So he decided to come to church. Every day, you know, you lift each other up in prayer and you just bathe your marriage in prayer.
0: Well, I'm so glad to have all of you with us at church Online, all of our live churches, our network churches. Today, we're starting a brand new five-week teaching series called From This Day Forward. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to invest in the lives of those of you that hope to get married one day and give you some tools on the front side of marriage that will help prepare you for a godly marriage. And for those that are already married, what we wanna do is we wanna uh, look at five commitments that I believe with all of my heart that if you make these commitments and keep them, you will literally fail-proof your marriage, if you make and keep these five commitments. So let me start it off this way. I want to ask the ladies a question. Ladies, can I get your participation all of our churches? How many of you, when you were a little girl, you dreamed of growing up one day, getting married with a perfect wedding, having your husband carry you over the threshold of the perfect house, loving you, rubbing your back, and you even named your children long before you met your husband, ladies how many of you did that? Okay. Men, did any of you do that? No, if you did, you're not allowed at our church, right? Now, men, how many of you dreamed one day of getting married, having sex twice a day and three times on Sunday? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. All right. Glory to God. Now, one more question. How many of you are still dreaming? Everybody raise your hands, right? There's there's a lot of expectations about what is marriage going to be like one day, and then a lot of times when the marriage doesn't meet our expectation, there's all sorts of letdowns, disappointments, hurt, pain, disappointment, anger, um, divorce, and such. In fact, I know a lot of you right now—you've uh, been so wounded in relationships, or you're in one that is in such bad shape—that a lot of people ask the question. Is a good marriage even possible? And there are a lot of people really that's, is is it even possible to have a great marriage? And I want to answer beyond a shadow of a doubt, emphatically the answer is yes, it is possible. But I also want to be really honest and say, it's not likely if you do what everyone else in our society does. And I want to say it again, a great marriage, is possible, but honestly, it's not likely and not probable if you do what everybody else is doing. Because if you just look at the statistics, I mean, they're horrifying. That The statistics say about 50% of the marriages that start will not make it, you all know that. The tragedy is that even the younger you are, the less likely your marriage is to make it. And of those 50% or so that do make it, the vast majority of them are miserable, don't really have any intimacy, they're just sticking together for the sake of the kids. And so the odds are really stacked against us if you do what everyone else does. And I would ask you, what other significant area of your life are you satisfied with 50% odds against you? Think about it. If there's a 50% chance that you're gonna get cancer if you still eat the same kind of cereal chances are you're gonna eat a different kind of cereal, you're gonna do something different. If I said there's a 50% chance this week that all your investments and any money you have in a bank is gonna be gone, chances are you'd be doing something to get your money in a safe place. If I told you there was a 50% chance that if you walked outside your house, you would get attacked by a herd of man-eating cats with thumbs. okay? you would probably think of a different strategy that day because you wouldn't be satisfied with 50% odds against you in a significant area of life. And yet the way our crazy world is, you can't get a driver's permit without taking a class, but yet you can get a marriage license for only $15 and no preparation. It's crazy. So we want to invest in some marriages, and if you're not yet married, I pray that you will do things differently than this world, that you'll do things God's way, that you'll get married in a church by a pastor because we're not making a legal agreement. We're making a spiritual covenant with a holy God and asking God to help us give us the kind of marriage that he wants us to have. And if you do that, um, you'll say some vows like I did to Amy. Uh, They go something like this. I, Craig, take you, Amy, to be my wife, to have and to hold, if you know the next line, say it aloud, to have and to hold from this day forward, and I love that line because there's some hope in it to me. In other words, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter about how many times I messed up in the dating relationships. It doesn't matter, you know, if we struggle. It's, it's this front. We're crossing a line. It's from this day forward. From this moment forward, things are different. And here is my commitment to you before God from this day forward. And the commitment you make to God, it's a big one, okay? For better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness or in health, we will forsake all others and be faithful to you as long as we both shall live. And then you say, so help me God. And the problem is I think a lot of people say like, so help me God, like it's, so help me God. And it's more of a declaration. I would say it as a request. So help me God, okay, because we need God to honor him in his covenant of marriage and here are the five commitments that we're going to make. If you're taking notes, we're going to study this for five weeks. This week, we're going to talk about seeking God. The first commitment we're going to make is we are going to seek God. Next week, we're going to talk about and make the commitment to fight fair. Week three, we're going to make the commitment to have fun. Week four, we're going to make the commitment to stay pure. And week five, we're going to declare that we never give up, okay? Everybody, all of our churches, let's do these together. Let's say it loud. What are we going to do? We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure, and we're never going to give up. Let's do it again. Everybody, come on, have a little fun with me. Church didn't find if you're sitting there like a bump on a log. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure, and we're going to never give up. I want you to memorize these. I want you to internalize these. We're going to give you little tools to do so. And today, I want to drive in the first thought that as a couple, to fail-proof your marriage, we're going to seek God. Now, the problem is a lot of people aren't really seeking God before they're married, they're seeking a spouse, right? A lot of us, we're seeking a spouse, that perfect someone, that that one person who's going to meet our needs, because everybody knows that you really can't be happy in life until you meet the one. And so the guy goes out and he meets her and she's pretty and he says, oh, she's so pretty. And mm, she smells good. And when she does this, it just does something to me. I think I've met the one, right? Or the girl. She's like, ooh. It doesn't sound like a girl, but it's the best I got. She's like, whoa, oh, he's so sweet. And he's so, you know, he he talks and talks and talks. Like, enjoy it while you can, lady. You know, and, he, and he's and he got such a cute little behind whatever lady say, I don't know. You, know. you know, he's like, I think I've met the one. Because what people believe is to really be fulfilled in life, you have to find the One, what I would love just one time is for someone to say, oh, I met someone and they're so godly and they're so awesome and we have so much fun together and there's like this real bond. I think I might have met the two because culture teaches us something that's true. To really be fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. The problem is another person is not the one. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is your one And your spouse is your two. And I've taught this before, and I will teach it again, because honestly, it's one of the most important foundational principles about having any relationship last. God is your one. In fact, when Jesus was asked, um, what is the most important commandment? He didn't say, love your spouse with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart, and all your strength. When Jesus was asked what is the most important commandment, he essentially said, God is your one, make him your one, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. God is your one and your spouse is your two. So... Let me talk for a moment to um, a couple of different groups of people. Let's start with those of you that are not married, but you'd like to be married one day. We'll start with you. How many of you, all of our churches, you're not married, but you would love it if God would bring you your two one day? Raise your hands up high. Just lift them up high. Lift them up high. Leave them up. Leave them up. up. Look around for a minute. Just kind of scan the crowd. Who knows? There might be a connection here. You can name your first son Craig, okay, because I helped... Bring it about, all right? So, here, here's, here's your commitment. If you're not yet married but you hope to be, here's what I pray will be the driving force of your life. Write this down. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. That is such good preaching. i got to say it again and amen myself. I will seek the one while preparing for the two. Amen, Craig. That's good preaching. What we're going to do is when we're not married above anything else, we wanna honor God. We wanna love God. We wanna seek God. We wanna please God. We wanna know God. We wanna live by God's spirit. We want all of our lives to bring glory to God. We're not seeking a spouse, we're seeking first God and his kingdom and then when you do that, Matthew six thirty-three, he adds everything unto you. We're seeking the one while he's doing something in us and preparing us for the two. The challenge is so often um, in our culture today, there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians, and I know not all of you do, but for those of you that are Christians, you kind of put the God thing off until later when you think, life matters more and so you're single and you kind of think, well hey one day i'll be married and then we'll get in the church deal then and all but for now I me, mean, i'm going to the clubs and i'm gonna have some fun and you know i might jump from a few people around to the other and, and you live kind of an ungodly life now knowing that later on you'll get back down to spiritual business that is incredibly dangerous and incredibly common andy stanley a close friend of mine and pastor he told a story that really illustrates this well. He said there was a young girl um, who was a very committed Christian, but when she went off to college, she did what a lot of college students do. She first kind of gave in to peer pressure and started partying, and the alcohol turned into drugs, and then from there turned into guy after guy after guy after guy, and she really fell into a a lifestyle of very destructive sin. In the back of her mind, the whole time, she's like, "But I still believe in God, and you know, I still want a godly marriage, and one day I'm going to come back and do the right thing." But she continued living in her lifestyle. Well, one day she met a guy that was everything she had ever hoped to marry. He was godly. He was a terrific leader. He was making a difference. He was discipling other men. He had a great career. And she, she said, Mom, I met this guy. I mean, he's everything. He's godly. He's, he's perfect. He's, he's the kind of guy that I want to marry. And I'm going to kind of make myself available to him. And the mom just said very lovingly, she said, well, sweetheart, you need to know a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. If you want to kind of say, mm, like you just got kicked in the gut, that's okay because that's kind of the response I'm looking for. A guy like that's not looking for a girl like you. Doesn't matter what you want, like attracts like. And my great advice for you, if you hope to have a godly marriage one day, is to live a godly life today. Seek God today. Be kind, become the kind of person that you'd like to marry. Become the type of person that you'd like to marry. If you want to marry someone who's had 18 different sex partners, then do that. Go for it, like everybody else. If you want 50-50 odds, then live like everybody else. If you want something that is different from everybody else, seek God today. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Let's talk to the the married folks for just a second. You're already married. Here's what we're going to do. Our commitment is this, I will always seek the one with my two. Let's all say this, everybody aloud, what are we going to do? We're, we're, we're going to always seek the one with our two. That's what we're going to do. We're always going to seek the one together with our spouse. And let me tell you why this is so important. Because our marriages will never be what God wants them to be unless he is one and our spouse is the two. And so often we get it all mixed up. We try to make our spouse the one. Oh, you're going to make me happy. Oh, you're everything. Or we even might put God as the one, but then we put our children in the number two spot or our careers in the number two spot, and it doesn't work unless God is the one and our spouse is the two. And when we try to make our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend the one, what we're doing is we're idolizing them. Oh you're going to make me happy. Oh, you complete me. Oh, I feel so good when I'm around you. Oh, without you, I'm nothing. And what we're doing is we're putting undue pressure on a person who is incapable of meeting all our needs. And so first we idolize them. And then when they let us down, which they always will because they're sinful people, we don't idolize them. We demonize them. You're not doing right. You're not doing this. You're not meeting my needs. And you know the drill. I mean, he likes her, and he's like, oh, she's so organized, and she's so driven, and and she's such a, I mean, she's just, I love the way she's passionate about life. And then they're married for a while, like, she's a control freak. She wants everything her way. She drives me crazy. She nags, 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 nags. Idolize, demonize. Well, oh he's so laid back, and he comforts me, and he's just so easygoing. He's a bump on a log. He doesn't do anything. He's not a leader. He just sits there playing video games all day long, idolize, demonize. So what we do is we seek the one with the two. We're continuing to seek God with our spouse. Now, how do we seek God? How how do we practically do it? And what I did is I wrote a whole message around different ways to seek God, and then I went a different way. And let me tell you, the other message has some great ideas in it um, that are very practical, very spiritual. I talked about um, seeking God together in his word. Really important, reading his word together. Seeking God together together. Um, worshiping in church together, making that a priority, enjoying the friendship of others um, in a life group where we grow together spiritually, using our gifts to serve together um, in our church, Uh, making a difference in the community, leading our children intentionally towards spiritual things, developing spiritual traditions. And I had this whole great list, and then I I was praying it through, I really felt like God showed me if I ask everyone to do eight or ten things, chances are most people are going to do zero things. It's just kind of the way it works. And so what I've decided to do is just talk about one simple thing, which I really believe is the most important spiritual discipline you can have in a relationship to seek God. And let me unpack it for a minute because this to me is really important. I read a book called The Power of Habit recently, and this book talked about, Um, what the author calls keystone habits. There are certain habits that if you do these things, they create forward momentum into other good habits. There are also those keystone habits that if you don't do those things, they create negative momentum into negative habits. For example, I've always taught at leadership events it this way, I always said, don't quit flossing. Never quit flossing. I sound like your dental hygienist, but for me, that's the first discipline to go. Whenever I stop flossing, then the next thing is I stop exercising, and then I don't eat right, and it, that one discipline triggers positive disciplines or negative disciplines. So, when I do floss, I eat right, I exercise, I sleep better, I wake up earlier, I'm more productive, I do a better job, I'm happier, I come home, I'm a better husband, and we have six kids. Okay. <laughs> if I don't floss, I don't exercise, I don't eat right, I don't sleep well, I put on weight, I come into work, someone says you're looking fat, I get mad. I hit them, I get fired, I'm no longer a pastor, I'm driving home, a police officer tries to pull me over. I don't have a job or an income, so I run. I get arrested for running away from a police officer. I'm in jail, why? Because I stopped flossing. (laughs) Now, obviously there's a little bit of exaggeration there, but you have to agree there are certain habits that create lots of forward momentum in your life, and there's certain habits that if you don't do, they create negative momentum. And I'm a huge believer in that. And so the keystone habit that I want to give you about seeking God is very simple, and this is the one thing I'm going to ask all of you to do if you're taking notes, that is to pray together every day. Your keystone habit. To seek God together in prayer. Now, some of you right now are, are giddy, like, oh, you're asking him to pray with me. And the husband's are going, oh, I don't want to pray. You're, just, you're nervous. I don't know what to say. That's awkward. And I acknowledge all that, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to again talk to those of you who will marry one day. What you need to know is that prayer is so intimate. I mean, I, I can't put into words how, how incredibly bonding and intimate it is to join hands with your spouse and petition the god who pr- brought you together and ask him to do something it is so intimate i mean we have a lot of makeout sessions there's a reason we got six kids okay there's a there's is an intimate thing so if you're dating here's just some advice this is free sitting in the bible this is just wisdom from craig okay don't pray together on the sofa don't pray together on a bed don't ever pray horizontally Just saying. Okay. Now, is bonding makes you want to kiss. Okay. For those who are married, pray, pray at a restaurant with a table between you in public. That's my advice. Okay. When you're dating. When you're married, pray in the bed. Okay. <laughs> I love it when my wife's not at the service, it gives me complete freedom in the Word of God. Okay. <laughs> Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what, everybody, and pray, and do what? And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their, heal their land, or I might apply it loosely and say, and I will heal their Marriages. What I want to do is I wanted to invite Amy to give you some perspective um, on how we've learned to pray together as a couple. So Amy, what are some of the ways that we've learned to pray together as a couple?
1: We've prayed together all different kinds of ways and um, I like that. I like that it hasn't been just so routine. Uh, because that's to me kept it fresh and authentic, and and um, shows that we care about each other, and we and we and our love for God. We used to pray together in restaurants when we were dating and first married over the meal, but our prayer would go for you know ten minutes or more. Um, but over the years, you know, our lifestyles changed where we've had uh, babies and seminary and gotten. Uh, Just those really tired days and we don't always pray together, but we, I think we've consistently prayed for one another. Um, We always ask each other how we can pray for one another. And um, I always pray for you and you always pray for me, and that to me is part of praying together.
0: So what would you say it does for our marriage when we're consistently praying together?
1: I think it makes our marriage stronger, makes us, get along and, and feel close to one another, um, it makes us feel, you know, close to God together, which is really special.
0: So if a couple is just learning to pray, maybe they've never done it before, what's some very practical advice to help them develop a prayer relationship?
1: First of all, that they can do it and they shouldn't feel intimidated and just make it a natural part by just starting, it just takes sometimes just starting. Um, some simple things you can do is you could write out a prayer um, that's sort of an encouragement you could text that or email that prayer Um, but I think praying out loud together um, is great and it can just be short and sweet just praying um, together before you leave the house for the day Uh, praying before a meal And I, again, I just don't think it has to be routine. It doesn't have to be, if we don't do this, we're not good Christians. We don't want to put any guilt or legalism to it. It needs to be natural, enjoyable, um, a way to support one another um, and, and look to God and depend on Him in our lives and in our marriage.
0: I want to highlight one thing Amy said, and that is that, you know, just starting and you can do it. Because I know a lot of people are like, you know, I don't know how to do that. And I I acknowledge all the complications and just want to say, you know, I know some people are married to non-believers, and they're not going to do this. And I I know it's complicated and such, but um, I don't know how couples make it without seeking God. And I believe with all my heart that Satan does not want you to pray together. And if you will be faithful in this, and literally just start, it could be just start by praying over the meals. You may have never done that before, and you just commit, whenever we eat, we're going to thank God for this. And you start there. And it could be a simple prayer before the day, God bless my spouse today, um, be with us, and start there. You can get more organized, and what works for a lot of couples is to make out a real prayer list. And just so you don't get in the middle of the prayer and then like, okay, and uh, God and um, ah, Amen, and it's like awkward. So what you can do is you can write down, we're praying for these things for our children. We're praying for wisdom in these decisions we're making. We're praying for the people in our life group that are struggling in their marriage. We're praying for our friend at work that has cancer. Uh, We're praying for our boss uh, that's not a follower of Jesus. Uh, We're praying for our, our relatives that are going through a hard time. And you literally keep a prayer list and then you just pray through those things. Or like Amy said, you can just text a prayer. Hey, I'm praying that God would give you peace today. Hey, I'm praying for your presentation today. And it creates an incredible amount of spiritual intimacy. And I really believe this is a keystone habit. Watch this. You pray regularly together, chances are you're more likely to go to church together chances are more likely you're going to be involved in the church together, more likely to be in a life group together, more likely to have people praying for you, more likely to be bringing your children up with the love of God. When someone flips you off in a car, rather than chasing them down and killing them, you'll be more likely to forgive them. Why? Because you develop positive spiritual momentum that helps you in your marriage. And beyond all of the great spiritual benefits, and just think about this, you're, I mean, you're seeking God together and God is answering your prayers, and that builds your faith. Beyond all that, just practically speaking, we're talking just practically, it's really hard to fight with someone that you're praying with. Right? And and it is. I mean, it's hard to have an ongoing, I hate you. You're a jerk. You're the Antichrist. You know, it's hard to do that when you're praying together. It's hard to commit adultery or get hooked on porn when you've got spiritual consistent intimacy. It makes you want to know God, serve God, and not be caught in those things that trap so many people so easily. And finally, it's really hard to divorce someone that you're seeking God with, isn't it? I mean, just practically speaking. And I know a lot of you are like going, oh, this just too much, man, That's just too much, you know. Fine, fine, take the odds. chance against your marriage, and if it does make it, chances are better than not. You're just going to be sticking together for the sake of the kids and roughing it out for your whole life. Take those odds if you want them. Or get crazy spiritual and say, so help us, God. So help us. God, we want you involved, and we want to seek you daily. And let me give you some quick stats. Family Life did this survey years ago. Uh, They surveyed thousands of Christian couples and found that fewer than 8% of Christian couples pray together regularly. Fewer than 8%. Now, this is some good news. Of those couples that do, they found fewer than 1% divorce. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay? Fewer than 8% actually seek God together in prayer. But of those do, fewer than 1% end up divorcing. 50-50 are 99% chance of your marriage making it. The choice is yours. I believe Satan does not want you to pray, and I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to pray. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto us. We seek God first. We seek God first. So help us, God. Now, you may say, but we don't do that. Hey, from this day forward, well, we don't really like each other right now. Fine. From this day forward, we're people of prayer. Well, you know, it's, we don't know how to do it. Don't care. From this day forward, just try. God, we don't know how to do this, so here we are. Well, I'm uncomfortable. Get over it. From this day forward, we are people of prayer. I'll close out with this story, and then we'll pray. I went to uh, visit an older couple. The wife was dying in the hospital. She was 88. Her husband was 90. They'd been married for just over 70 years. And it was a moment I'll never forget. I walked into this jam-packed hospital room with several generations of family members that were all worshiping as the matriarch of this family was about to pass from here to heaven. And this feeble 90 year old man opened up the Bible to Psalm 23 and through tears read that to his family and over his wife and then everybody joined hands and he put one hand on his wife's head and he committed her to God in heaven, thanked God for 70 years of getting to serve God with his best friend. and then kissed her and said, I'll see you soon. And moments after that, she slipped from this world into eternity. And afterwards, I looked at this guy and said, I want what you have, what's your secret? And he said, man, we've messed up so many ways, too many ways to count, but the one thing we did is we were faithful together in prayer. What I ask you to do is to grab hands with your two and never stop seeking The one. And when you do that, I believe the God of heaven will hear your prayers and he will transform your marriage into everything that he wants it to be. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would do a work in uh, in all of our hearts. God, for those who are not yet married but hope to be one day, God, I pray that they would fall in love with seeking you, their one, as you prepare them for their two. For those who are married, God, I pray that they would commit and always seek The one with their two. As you pray today at all of our different churches, um, let me just throw a broad net out first and and just ask the question. I don't care if you're young, old, married, not married, whatever, uh, but you recognize that you really haven't been seeking the one um, as you should in prayer. And you just today want to make a commitment or a recommitment to be a person of prayer from this day forward. Um, I recommit, or I commit for the first time to not neglect the incredible blessing of fellowship and communion with my Heavenly Father through prayer. I commit um, to seek Him faithfully through prayer. Would you lift up your hands right now? All of our churches, you've let that discipline slide. There are, are a bunch of you, man. Praise God for that commitment. Put your hands down. If, uh, if you're married and you're here um, with your spouse, I want you to think about this. And I don't care if you... Um, pray faithfully all the time, and you just want to renew that commitment, or maybe you've never prayed and and the thought of praying together scares you to death, but you recognize you really need the help of God, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to seek God in prayer. And just like Amy said, we've missed days, but if I miss a day of flossing, guess what I do the next day? Floss the next day. I'm not going to quit flossing, and I'm not going to quit praying uh, with my bride. I'm going to ask you, if, um, if you're going to make this commitment, and I ask you to make it um, seriously, grab the hand of your spouse right now and say, where, where, wherever we are, if it's just over meals or whatever it is, we're going to start praying together, or we're going to keep praying together. Lift your hands up in the air together at all of our churches and say, we're going to do that. And praise God for you. I pray, God, today that um, we would all, all who are believers in you, um, God would pursue you, seek you, Uh, desire to know you not just talking to you but listening in prayer Uh, God I pray that as we lift up requests to you and as you answer them we would give you all the glory and we'd see this world different God because we've petitioned heaven Um, and God you've heard our prayers God bring and bring marriages together heal those who are hurting God I pray over the next five weeks that you would do miracles where there is very little hope or even no hope God I pray that we would realize with you, all things are possible. We put our marriages before you and we say, so help us, God, we need your help. And we believe, God, that a great marriage is possible if we continue to seek you. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, nobody looking around right now. There are a lot of you that you're gonna realize right now, the way you're living, the way you do life, God is not your one right now. You may even believe in God as I did growing up, but he's not your one. And let me tell you what, he wants to be. He wants to be your one. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to become sin for us and to die on the cross for our sins, to be raised from the dead because our sin separates us from God. We're bent away from God to do sinful things. We're sinners by nature and we need forgiveness. And because of what Jesus did, all of our sins can be forgiven. I'm telling you, anything and everything you've ever done, forgiven by God, and you can be new. And when he washes you and when he cleanses you, then he's not only your Savior, but he wants to be the Lord of your life. That means he's first. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You live for him. If you look at your, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you invest your life, many of you right now would have to say, he's not my Lord. From this day forward, you know the Spirit of God is calling you. He will be your Lord. He will be your Savior. From this day forward, You call on him. You give your life to him. You want to be saved by him, forgiven by him. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, he hadn't been my one, but from this day forward, he is. I give my life to him to him, would you lift your hands high right now, just lift them up all over the place and say yes, that's my prayer, right up here, close to me, right back over here, here in the back section, God bless you guys, here in this middle section, lift them, I just wanna look you in the eye and see you, right back over here, right back there as well, right over here, God bless you, others of you say me too, right here sweetheart, God bless you, others say yes, I want him to be my one, way back here toward the back, right up here sir, welcome into God's family, others of you who say yes, I call on him. Be my one, be my Savior, the Lord of my life. Church online, you guys click right below me. Everybody pray aloud with those around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Make me new. I ask you to be my Savior and to be the Lord of my life. First in every way. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life. Church, would you worship? Would you celebrate? Would you go crazy? Welcome those born into God's family.